This is the weekly sales meeting for July 16th, 2023. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is the cluster selling fallacy. Peter Drucker, the man widely credited as the father of modern management theory, was born in Vienna in 1909. He became a U.S. citizen in 1943 during the height of World War II. He spent 21 years as a professor at NYU before being recruited away to California's Claremont Graduate University. There, he was recognized as having developed one of the country's first executive MBA programs. His influence and impact were so grand, the university later named the school after him. What made Drucker's influence in the world of management so impactful was his ability to weave a variety of topics into plain English. He leaned on historical context, socioeconomic impact, and basic human psychology in his lessons. He would pull in elements of philosophy, politics, and religion also. To his credit are 39 published works on the subject. He is viewed in the highest regard in the world of business. His overarching impact in the world of management and management philosophy looms large. There are two exceptional statements that have affected the business world to the positive, and one surprising statement that may have harmed the very businesses he was aiming to save. To the negative, he is almost solely responsible for the concept of outsourcing. Do what you do best and outsource the rest was the motto circulated by Drucker and Drucker's disciples in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Like that, management types forgot Drucker's first rule. His first rule, which we are coming to, was ignored as people found ways to outsource company functionality in favor of profit. The goal was to drive stock prices up in our quarter-by-quarter world. Service to the customer went right out the window. We are not good at customer service. Let's outsource that to India. Company employees are no longer talking to their friends and neighbors about service issues. It is now non-employees with zero equity in charge of the process of executing this task. Outsourcing may have helped companies with profit, but it did not do much for servicing the customer. There is a thought gap between the notion of servicing the customer and outsourcing that service. Now that we have poked holes in his work, let's give the man the credit he deserves. He published his book, The Practice of Management, in 1954. In it, he states a company's primary responsibility is to serve its customers. Profit is not the primary goal, but rather an essential condition for the company's continued existence and sustainability. This is that rule number one. Service is king, but profit, after all, is not a dirty word. According to Drucker, it is a byproduct of servicing the customer well and necessary to sustain the long-term viability of any company. Many Wall Street-focused companies have thrown Drucker's teachings out the window. They favor the more Hollywood-based management techniques. Hollywood in the way of Michael Douglas's character Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street. Gecko would never pass for Drucker, and Drucker would never be mistaken for Gecko. As you know, Douglas's character uttered the iconic phrase, greed, for lack of a better word, is good. There is now a whole army of Wall Street types inspired by that phrase. That is where we live now. It is no longer about servicing the customer. It is about squeezing every last ounce of profit from every dollar for short-term gain. That is with no regard for the long-term impact. The second and more impactful statement from Peter Drucker is concentration is the key to economic results. No other principle of effectiveness is violated as consistently as the principle of concentration. It was made worse with the introduction of clustered operations. In the world of selling multiple stations, our motto seems to be, let's put you on every station. This is part of the cluster selling fallacy. Diversification is good in stock portfolios to mitigate risk. In broadcast scheduling, it dilutes the message and renders it ineffective. We have this natural tendency to take a customer and sprinkle a little of their money on every station in our group. 
It is not pixie dust. We shouldn't sprinkle it rather than putting it where it will do the most good. And it is not only sellers that have this tendency, but our customers too. They heard about this idea of the media mix and think that it means they should do a little bit of everything. The very idea of the media mix is based on domination, not dilution. Unfortunately, customers don't invest enough money in any one thing to make the idea of the media mix work. Instead, their dilution of the message leads to a whole lot of nothing. We are better off taking that money and concentrating it on one fan base or lifestyle group. There, we should buy as much as we can in that one area. For most local, direct customers, success can come from 10 extra calls a week, and that only happens with frequency. Take all the firepower you can muster and target it at one lifestyle group or fan base. This is the key to advertising success. Narrow the focus to one target and super serve it. When you dominate that space and have success with it, then it will generate more revenue. Part of that revenue can be reinvested into another lifestyle group or target. Putting a little everywhere leads to the I tried it and it didn't work conversation that we have all had. Call it the spray and pray method of advertising. The cluster selling fallacy is exacerbated by sellers, the ones who think it is a good idea to put some everywhere. Putting a little everywhere does nothing for your customers and even less for your products. It does not create a loud voice in the marketplace for your advertiser. It does not grow your slice of the advertising pie. While the domination method would grow your slice of the advertising pie, the cluster selling approach has not. If we look at the last 30 years of cluster selling, one might conclude it shrinks our share of the pie. What has happened is the amount invested with you or your company acts as a price anchor. You will never get your customer to invest more than that base amount, regardless of what you say and what evidence you have. They say things like, here's your money, you put it where you want. That is not a plan, that is gambling. That is roulette. It might be the Russian kind. Advertising is not a game of chance. It is a plan of concentrated effort. It is more akin to military strategy. In war, concentrating effort where it will do the most good is the most effective. The same is true in advertising. Concentrate the message where the audience is most receptive. The fundamental question is whether advertising is a gamble or an investment. For those who do not understand it, they would say it is a gamble. For those who have mastered the art, they know it is a science. They have learned how to tie their advertising investments back to one of the economic drivers of their business. For most, those drivers are top-line revenue, inventory control, or bottom-line profit. The ones that agree it is a science can draw a line from their advertising investments to one of those drivers. For everyone else who believes it to be a gamble, they rely on hope. And as I have told you, hope is a great girl's name, but it's a terrible business plan. How can you tell the difference between fact and a gamble? Those who make purchases based on their own personal interests or desires are dabbling in hope. Many end up buying what they like rather than what they need. Peter Lynch is a noted investor. Many will quote him when it comes down to serious money discussions. He says an investment is simply a gamble in which you've managed to tilt the odds in your favor. Those who have mastered the fine art of advertising and turned it into a science have discovered ways to tip the odds in their favor. For them, there is a method and a measure in the action. It is not the 100% answer, but they understand it is a process. It is a path to the end result. They know they have to put extra work and effort into messaging, targeting, placements, and calls to action. But they know what measurement tools they have in place to track its effectiveness. This is a small subset of the universe. Most do not understand the methods, media, or messages of advertising. Because of this, the advertising budget was invented. It was invented as a stopgap measure. The budget is about limiting risk, not creating opportunity. In that way, it is like gambling, the way most people gamble. 
they go to Las Vegas and they set a losing budget. It is their donation to the Convention and Visitors Bureau of Las Vegas. They say, today I'm only going to lose $100, and they'll repeat the process the next day. Meanwhile, those that know how to do it will continue to invest the right and proper amount to get the return they desire. And that is the difference between gambling and science. It is also where an experienced marketing consultant can make their money by offering sound advice on what to do and how to do it, by being honest about the expectations and deliverables the customer is going to purchase. We can help them understand how much it takes to get the results they are looking for rather than let them assign a number to it. Some will ask people what their budget is, but that is one of the dumbest questions on the planet. By asking it, we have ceded the expert's marketing opinion to a novice. We have allowed someone without the knowledge and experience we have to make a decision on the right and proper amount to invest to achieve the results they desire. When I look at failure in advertising, it only comes from three things. Failure one is the message sucks. The second failure is mismatching the target. And the third cause of failure is inadequate frequency. Frequency sells, or so I've heard. Yet as salespeople, we have been committing this crime. Because we ask the budget question, we let that dictate the frequency conversation, rather than create the frequency necessary to solve the problem and then have the budget conversation. It's almost like we do this in reverse. Start with what works first, then tell the customer what it's going to take. I can guarantee you that if you had to have knee surgery, the doctor would not ask you what your budget is first. He or she would only tell you what it's going to take to have a successful knee surgery. Besides, do you want discount knee surgery? In a recent industry study, it was found that only 2% of media schedules were deemed adequate enough to make an impact. That leads me to ask, what are we selling? Peter Drucker's concentration is the key to economic results applies to the broadcast business. It is our job as sellers to guide our prospects and guide our customers so they have success and continue to have success. When cluster operations were first announced, the thought process was, now I have access to all these products, you can buy them all from me. But the reality of this and the fallacy of cluster selling is that it did not expand client investment. It expanded the universe of products, but it left investment levels stagnant. Our current and future strategy must be to get out of the spray and pray mentality. We should resist the urge to put a little everywhere. We need to get into the concentration of effort mentality. This should not only grow customer investment with success, but break the cluster selling fallacy once and for all. My new book, 52 Weekly Sales Meetings, is now available on Amazon.com. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider ordering a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.